James writes to us in the book of James and in chapter 1. Verses 9-18 Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers, like, withers the grass, and his flower falls, and the beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or a shadow of turning. Of his own will he has brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. James is trying to encourage us and remind us of some things in lives that we do know, things that we have forgotten, and some things that sometimes we misapply within our life. Oftentimes, been years ago, but when you looked at 14 and 15, but when each one is tempted, he is drawn away by his desires or his lust and then enticed. When desires had conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives forth death. You say years ago, that's the LSD passage. Uh, back in the druggy days, you know. Lust, desire, or lust, sin, and death. It brings death. And I was thinking, scriptures remind us to follow Jesus. And I was thinking about that as I was studying about the, the thought of being careful of who you attribute temptations to. That they come from Satan. But he does not cause us to sin. The opportunity is given to us. But first of all, there has to be that desire. And there has to be the opportunity. And then there has to be the application or the giving in to what's there. 
We're reminded in Hebrews 4 and verse 15 that Jesus understands what we're going through. Because he's been tempted in all areas. You know that? He's been tempted in all areas as we are, yet without sin. So the sin is not in the temptation. Yeah, we've been made, feel, made to feel guilty by being tempted. To think that you committed sin. The desire is there. But it's when we act upon that desire, that's the opportunity. And we see that a little bit in the temptation of Jesus with the devil in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 10. That, that desire is there. He was hungry after 40 days of fasting. And Satan used that desire. If you be the Son of God, then turn these stones to bread. If you're hungry, you have the desire, you have the opportunity, you have the capability of doing that. Just go ahead and do it. What is that reminder, and that's what applies to a lot of the Desires that are placed before us. The man does not live by bread alone. The desires that come our way, that entice us, are the things of the world. And that's not how we live. The man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a strength to overcome it. That's the, if you will, that's the redirection of our thinking. When something is enticing to us, is to redirect the thinking to something else, the Word of God, and realize, I can overcome that. Being taken up to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the temple that overlooked the Kidron Valley, the great depths that it was at that time, and you say, well, if you be the Son of God, jump. The scriptures say the angels will not allow you to stub your toe. But Jesus came back, but it's also written. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Prove who you are. If partaking in sin is not going to trap you, then prove it. Isn't that what comes out? Prove that you're a Christian. Show that you can do these things and it's not going to bother you. No. Don't need to. Do not need to prove to the world what I believe. Because if you have not found out, you shall find out, the world will not ever be satisfied with your answer. Okay, let's try something else. Okay, let's try something else. They're not going to be satisfied. So we got to trust him. The devil takes him up the high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, all the glory that is there you can have if you just bow down and worship me. And how many times do we sometimes allow that one to entrap us? You can have whatever you want without the cost that is required for you to achieve it. 
He could have had all the glories of the world, but what did he know about all the kingdoms of the world and their glory? They're going to pass away. Where's the Roman Empire? Where's all the other empires that were in existence or followed after that period of time? They're gone. All their glory is gone. All the glory and the, the wealth of the Pharaohs, where is it? It's scattered around the world in different museums and so forth. It doesn't last. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't need that. We don't need to have all of that. That's the temptation, that desire. The opportunity is there. You know, if you just give up something in your service to God, if you just spend a little bit more time it's all that working at times, you know. If you would just put a few more hours a day into your job, you could be the top salesman of the week. And I didn't tell them to the face, it's like, whoopee-doo. Uh, what is that going to accomplish? No, if you just give a little bit more to the world, you'll gain a lot more back from the world. That's a lie. Known individuals who have worked for a company and felt that they were indispensable to the company. Lost their health, lost their life, and guess what? The company's still going. <laughs> they were not indispensable to the company. We get those lies out there and we have to be careful that we do not give in to them. It's the, the, the glitter that catches our eyes. It's the way it's always been. We say, if you have gone through the shady parts of town, carefully you have it. I, I know you hit someone periodically whether you want to go through those parts of town or not. Uh, but particularly, I don't go through those at night time. See all the lights and all the glitter? See all the stuff that wants to draw you in? To say, come on in. But it doesn't achieve what they say it does. To be careful. There's that desire, that lust, that's the giving in to the sin, and that consequence is death. And our needing to follow that master of ours. And I was thinking as well, it's interesting. As you read the scriptures and realize they've been given to us for our instruction, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come, that so we might have patience and comfort of the scriptures and have hope. I've often used Matthew 26 of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, there's a thought in there that I have overlooked. Amazing, isn't it? I've overlooked something in the Scriptures. They're a treasure. that you never reach the depths of that. But I was thinking as I read that, his going off to pray to the Father. Took Peter, James, and John with him. But what were they doing? 
Yeah, they were sleeping. So they never heard the prayer. Isn't that interesting? That it would be years down the road. And I've often thought, I wonder what Peter, James, and John thought when they read what Matthew had written. Thinking, did we miss that? We missed that? We missed that petition to the Father of Jesus? We gained from it, yes. But how many times have we had something slipped by us because we haven't thought about it, or we've let it slip by us, or we were thinking of something else that maybe we not to again? The closest we get would be Jesus on the cross. And that cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, that one's tempered with what? His final words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So we have both of them there. In the garden, we really don't have that as well. I was thinking of Jesus, Luke 5.16, talking about the fact that Jesus often withdrew in the wilderness to pray. As you read about his prayer life, you find that either he got up early in the morning and went out and spent time in prayer to his father, or after a day of work, healing people, talking to people, he would withdraw into the mountain and spend time in prayer to his father. Before choosing the apostles, he spent all night in prayer to the father. That excuse me, that communication. That understanding, that closeness that he could have with the Father as that human being and as the Son of God. But that closeness he could have with the Father enabled him to do what he did. And what did he do? What did he spend three and a half years, three, three and a half years doing? Trying to convince people that God so loved him that he sent them a redeemer. And that this redeemer was going to give his life for their sins. And what was the response of the people? He's a lunatic. He does these miracles by the, the power of Satan, Beelzebub. And he, he was addressed that how can a kingdom against us? be divided against itself and stand. Why would Satan be fighting against himself? They missed what's involved. And sometimes we miss what the scriptures are reminding us of as well. Watch the life you live. Remind yourself of the, the glory of the flower. It appears for a while, then it's gone. Everything we accumulate, accumulate in this life will soon be gone. We've talked before, and 
We get reminded of that periodically. In the neighborhood we live in, there's hardly a week goes by there's not a sign up there somewhere that either says garage sale, yard sale, or estate sale. I don't know if that's a good neighborhood to live in or not. They pop up all over the place to get back, back, back in there. But what is that saying? Uh, I've talked to times when lived in farming country and, and trying to point that out to him. I said, how many of you farmers have gone to estate sales and auctions looking for farm equipment? You know, yeah, okay, I've done that. I said, when you go to an estate sale and you're bidding on a farm equipment, do you really care or want to know what that farmer went through to buy that piece of equipment? Do you want to know what he sacrificed? Do you know how many years he had to save up, or would be the case, whatever it may be, to save up to buy that piece of equipment? Do you know what sacrifices he had to make to, to keep it maintained and so on and so forth? No. So what do you care about? How cheap can I get it? That's all they're looking for. How cheap can I get it? They don't care anything about the equipment or what the farmer went through. If that's the sum of the farmer's life, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. That's it. There's nothing else. You've lost everything. If that's it. If that's what you're pursuing in this life, and that's what Satan is constantly doing to us. Laying these things before us. And whatever it is, you find those opportunities. I've tried to change what I'm interested in. And guess who found out what I'm interested in? Satan. So I get these little ads for sales of things that I was, I'm particularly interested in now. Never had them before. Now they pop up. You know, you go in there and you look for one thing, and then how many ads do you get related to what you've been looking at? Or if you order something, and all the, every time you order, then they always send me the emails. I've got this one now. You may inter, you may interested in this one. I know you can't afford this one, but you might be able to afford this one down here. Oh, I like that one. And I look the price and say, why? Why am I interested in that? Because I have a liking for it. Opportunity, desire. Be careful about giving into it. Realize what you're going to have to do one day. Leave it all behind. Then we can do the, the Lord's will. Remind ourselves, every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Again, it goes to definition, does it not? What's a good gift? What's a perfect gift? Well, I can tell you what I think a perfect gift would be. Depending on my interests right now. But the perfect gift would be salvation and an inheritance in heaven. The good gifts, let me tell you, you're the good gifts. You're the good gifts. 
Life has changed by being in the presence of you. And it's changed for good. You're the good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. Forgiveness of sins. Blotted out, remembered by God no more. Those good gifts, they're rich. They're beyond comprehension. And I have to keep reminding myself that Satan in that little flashing light says, look over here. See what I got to offer you. And you already know, do we not? Already know that whatever he offers is not right. It doesn't bring what he says it brings. And he has empty promises of what he offers. We're always chasing that brass ring. We grew up in California and we had the carousel there. And we always wanted to ride on the outside of the carousel because they had a rack coming down there and you'd go by. They had iron rings in there, but they always, once in a while, had a brass ring that allowed you to have a free ride, I guess it was. So everybody was trying to grab for the brass ring. And they'd get the iron ring and then they had a big time over his mouth and he just tossed toss it in there. We're looking for that. That golden thing, whatever it is, that just will make everything sort of perfect. If I can just find the right situation, if I can just find the right location, if I can just find this, if I can just find that, everything will be fine. Then we realize how many lives. And we let it slip by. Without having the opportunity to express what they meant to us. But just now, all that death came so unexpectedly. You know, I was going to write him a letter. I was going to send him a card. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And I let it slip by. The life is now. Unless we understand how rich this life is that God has blessed us with, not with the things, but the spiritual blessings that we have through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to miss it. When is your last mile of the way? When I've gone the last mile of the way, when is that for you? Do you know? So when you're gone that last mile of the way, let the reward is given. Each day you live, live it as if, as if it was that last mile of the way. So that indeed heaven may be our hope and our goal. Though your sins be a scarlet, 
Okay, so make them white as snow. If I can just correct this, if I could just control that, if I can just get a handle on that, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, when will I believe that he's the one that makes it as white as snow? Maybe what we sing in another song, all to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. But as you look at your life this evening, though your sins be as scarlet and crimson red, he shall make them as white as snow. He forgives. And it's not that he just forgives into eternity, he forgives now. You can have that life now as you live for him day by day. Your life's not where it needs to be. You need to make an, a, a change in your life. If we could assist you, we could help you in any way. And be you to come as together we stand and sing.